Hey everybody, it's Bowen here, and this is part of a series of conversations that lives with my writing, which you can find at Decide Nothing on Substack. The podcast has a life of its own as brothers and teachers in them, and the show is to connect with both, especially men who embody positive presence and who have been teachers who I love and respect and who I want the world to get to know more deeply. Today I'm speaking with Ashanti Branch, who is a pioneer in education reform and in youth mental health. Ashanti is the founder and executive director of the Ever Forward Club, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting marginalized students in their journey towards graduation from high school by providing them emotional tools and mental health support. Ashanti is a keynote speaker and advisor to the U.S. Surgeon General, a Fulbright Fellow, and a four times TEDx speaker. Raised in Oakland by a single mom on welfare, Ashanti found his passion while tutoring struggling students in a school with a majority of African American and Latino students. It broke his heart to see 40% of these students want to drop out at such a young age. By helping to fulfill their deeper emotional needs to feel safe, be seen, and heard, the Ever Forward Club has helped 100% of its student members graduate from high school. 90% of them enroll in higher education and has also achieved a 0% incarceration rate compared to the national incarceration rate, which is 8% for black males aged 20 to 24. Most recently, Ashanti and the Ever Forward Club have formed the Million Mask Movement, dedicated to helping young people reveal their true selves and find just how much they have in common with their peers. Ashanti and I met through Everyman, one of the leading organizations for men's work and men's groups, and reconnected at the suggestion of one of my previous guests, Michael McDowell. Ashanti and I are both natives of the San Francisco Bay Area, and we are both passionate about helping young men to grow and become more whole. As you listen, you might scan the questions at the bottom of the show notes, or just consider this. What is the mask that you're wearing, and what part of yourself would you reveal if you took it off? If you like what you hear today, please do visit decidenothing.substack.com and subscribe to get updated whenever I publish new writing or podcast episodes. Anyone who becomes a paid subscriber to my Substack will be eligible to receive a copy of my freedom at all costs when it comes out for just the cost of shipping. Have you ever worn the mask? Ashante, thank you so much for being here and welcome to Brothers and Teachers, my friend. Thank you. That's the name of my podcast here. My mission with this show is very simple, was to bring myself and others into contact with the brothers and teachers that I missed out on myself mm -hmm. earlier in life. I remember meeting you at Every Man a year and a half ago or something like that now. Yeah, 1440. And yeah, that's right. So many people I've come into contact with through Every Man that fit that description so well, and I've been interested to get to know you better. So here we are. Right on. Well, thanks for Here inviting me. I'm glad to be a part of the adventure. I appreciate it. Here's a question for, that's always interesting to me. What's something that you have learned yourself personally recently that has changed how you live 
Oh, man. Okay. Who's starting in? Who's starting in? That's, when I think about things that I've changed recently is around health. Mm. I've like made a decision that I am going to prioritize my health. Because I work a lot and I make my own food or I buy my own food, there's no guardrails if I don't put guardrails up. Mm, so guardrails. faster I can eat it, the faster I can purchase it, the quicker I can get to the next right. thing. Mm. And so sometimes the faster food is not the healthier food, but as a workaholic, it makes the most sense in the context. Mm. I was listening to this podcast the other day where this woman says something like, Sometimes we don't really take our health serious until it starts falling apart, right? I saw a picture of myself. Our team was using it for this promo thing, and I was like, no, we can't use that. Like, I'm not sure which kind of shirt I was wearing, but, like, it accentuates too much of my gut. And I was like, I was embarrassed. How do I tell this graphic designer who doesn't care about my embarrassment it's just mm -hmm. trying to get the job done. I'm like, yeah, we can't use that photo. <laughs> and they were like, well, what photo are we going to use? Yeah. I think it was a sign mm -hmm. for myself. Like, that's not how I want to show up. You know, yeah. like I'm trying to in inspire, encourage, motivate some people, mm -hmm. being their best self. And when I look at that, I don't see my best self. Yeah. And if that's what people yeah, see I when they you. see me. Maybe they don't see me as my best self. And so I think mm -hmm. it was me just making some decisions around that. I think another one is really around my own leadership journey around being more intentional about where we're going next and knowing mm -hmm. what I have done in the past is the best I could have done at the time. Like I've always done my best mm -hmm. and knowing not to shame myself for where we're not at. Cause I wanted us to be further along at this point. Like we should be further along than where we are currently today as an organization right, yeah, saying, okay, Shanti, like what parts of your leadership skills need to get improved? Right. I'm always working on improvement. So I think that's been a journey. My own leadership of my work as an organization and my personal leadership of myself. Yeah. Making healthier decisions. And I started before New Year's Day. I was like, we're not going to wait till New Year's Day. Cause I'll wild out for the whole month of December like a wild man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it would have been bad. So I said, you know what? We started in late November. I forgot yeah. when I really officially started, but I was like, we're going to start right now. Think yeah, it's just been, when it occurs to you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's probably many more, but those are the two that are right now really present. I appreciate that. The things that we learned along the way, it is part of leadership. And one of the things that came to me early on was, you know, I got to lead myself first, right? Mm. I hear that in what you're expressing right there. It brings to mind something else that I've been thinking and writing about a lot lately, which is this concept of discipline. Mm. Discipline is a word that just always conjured up nothing but negativity for me as a mm. young person. I didn't have any personal understanding or conception of what discipline meant in any positive way. I just associated it with like either punishment mm. or just someone else telling me what to do in a very macho, almost militaristic sort of way. I've had a few things happen in recent years that have started to help me redefine discipline for myself. What does discipline mean to you and what's your relationship with it? Mm, discipline. You know, I can think of discipline in a lot of contexts, right? As a mentor or who runs an organization, thinking about discipline as a former teacher, as a young man growing up in Oakland, raised by a single mother, like the way my mom was able to keep control is through forms of discipline, right? Like that's how she was able to exert power and control, especially when I got to be bigger in size, but still would 
not be willing to talk back. There was just this trained type of discipline that happened. Me being the oldest and having a lot of responsibility on my back, I didn't know any different. Like, I didn't even have a think of an option being like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this no more. Like, you know, the first time I saw a TV show where a kid was like to their mm-hmm. parents, I ain't doing this. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, how did he not just get hit? You know what I'm saying? Like, that just doesn't happen. And so I think the discipline in terms of being trained to operate a certain way, act a certain way, be responsible a certain way um, is deeply mm-hmm. ingrained. As you get older and you get to make your own decisions, then mm-hmm. discipline is required to come from some rootedness, right? Like, how do you talk to people? How do you treat people? How do you tip at a restaurant? How do you treat your waiters? How do you treat the people who are working Mm -hmm. in service industries? How do you treat people who have less than you? How do you respond to people who have more than you? Most times when I think of discipline, I'm thinking about a punishment for a certain kind of behavior. Sounds like that was the origin of it for you was like, you know, you're going to do the right thing or else. And here's what the right thing is. And there's consequences I think those, those, yeah, the early recordings of what discipline is. And then as I think about it more now, it's like, in what ways am I disciplined? In which ways am I not disciplined? In what ways do I discipline myself when I say, okay, I'm hungry now? And it has to be connected to my values, I think, deep down. Because if my values are not solid, then my discipline is out the window. So if I say I'm hungry and mm-hmm. I have no discipline, I have no values around what kind of food will I use to fuel my body. Then I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, right across the street, there's a place that makes amazing double cheeseburgers. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Their fries are spectacular. <laughs> like it's a short walk away. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Hey, that's where I would go because it's delicious. It's good. And right. satisfying. Yeah. And satisfying. Mm-hmm. Checks all the boxes, except it doesn't check a box where I say, is this the best food to fuel me right now, right? What I hear you saying is it doesn't check the box of aligning with the value that you expressed earlier of wanting to take better care of your health. Yeah. Imagine like there's layers of values, right? Like if you asked me a question, Ashanti, do you value your health? The answer would absolutely be yes. But last year, how I was operating, Mm -hmm. an outside looking in perspective, it would be like, well, you ate way more burgers than you did salads last year. <laughs> so do you really value your health? Right. right. I think that if you would look at it from that perspective, I wasn't really valuing my health yeah. in comparison. But I think that in the daily day, if it's not conscious, then I'm going to operate just based on muscle memory. And muscle memory says fast, easy, delicious. Those are the things that are the values, right? right. And they work, right? It's close, right? Close, fast, easy, delicious, reasonable <laughs> price, right? I mean, other values that I have, they fit in that value category because those are yeah. also values. Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat things that are nasty. I don't want to eat things that are too expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat things that are, you know, maybe even too cheap, but which value takes precedence, right? And so I think discipline says, oh, I need something quick. I need something reasonably priced, but I need something also that's going to be good for my body. Yeah. So which one of these are going to take precedence right now? And I've decided that I need to think about mm. health and longevity because I have a big dream and a big vision that needs me to be around longer because I want to see mm. part of it come into fruition. And right. therefore, I need to eat in a way that is going to help me stay here longer. And then I'll work on, OK, what's quick enough? What's delicious? What's tasty? Right. And I think mm-hmm. those layers then begin to change mm-hmm how I operate on the other side. So it's a journey. I think discipline is really tricky. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. I think about this morning, like I missed a call this morning and I'm Mm -hmm. a little embarrassed about it. Right. I was like, oh man, 
And then I, you know, get to the office and then other things are happening. And then the call kept getting pushed back. And I, if I think about being disciplined, but discipline would have been like, get up, even though you weren't fully ready for the call, have the call. I think about it as I'm operating each day, you know, so process and then it's a journey, you know, for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hear you expressing a lot of what I've come to feel for myself, just really very recently having an understanding of this thing discipline that I just rejected the idea of because it was coming from someone else and it seemed oppressive and directive, you know, and I was just all about rejecting anything that seemed like that. Mm. Now I see as at least potentially as an embodiment of my own values, acting on my values right? Like you just said, you want to act on that value of health. Well, if you really value it, you got to act on it. You got to embody it. Mm. It was one of these things that I had this idea that I had to have enough of somehow from the start, which is impossible, really. You know, like you're supposed to be born with a certain amount of discipline and therefore kind of by definition, you're not going to have enough. Got it. Right? And other men or people are saying like, well, son, you're supposed to have discipline here. Hmm. Like you're supposed to have it. And it's like, well, no, you have to grow it. Yeah. Right. You yeah. kind of have to grow it for yourself in your own body, really. Do I understand you saying that the idea of discipline for you is like you originally had a feeling that it's just something that you should already have at any given present moment? Right. Like if you had discipline, you mm. wouldn't eat that cheeseburger. You see what I'm saying? And you're like, well, no, I don't have it. And I don't want to have it. Not if you're telling me I have to have it. Yeah. Whereas now I have this value of valuing my health more. Yeah. I'm going to choose to act on that for myself. And now I can kind of feel like, oh, hmm, well, that's self-discipline. You know, that's yeah. my own choice there. And I'm building my own habit as Got opposed it. to somebody else's. Something Got like that. It. Got it. Got it. So, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. So even if it's a good idea, if you're in the mode of rejecting any outside yeah. influence, you're like, keep it to yourself. Right. Right. I'll do it my way. Right. 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 Okay. 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 Yeah, right on. Yeah. I, as I think about myself and like, which are the things I reject, right? Which are the things I mm -hmm. resist? Which are the things that are harder to hear, right? Like mm -hmm. around my leadership journey, like, I have a coach now, so that's been helpful. And like sometimes he asks me some questions and I'm like, oh, right. Or sometimes <laughs> I'll hear a question uh, from, you know, a mentor in this work and I'll hear it as a reprimand, right? Like, mm -hmm. and it happened the other day and I was like, um, and the person I was talking to, they was like, well, I'm not, you know, questioning what you've done. I'm just trying to understand where you are because it helps me to figure out how to either I can support or I can offer whatever. And I think mm -hmm. when I heard the question, like, Oh, how's that going? It was pretty open ended <laughs> question, but uh, I, because I know that I has not been going as well as I want it to be. I heard it as a, almost yeah. of, a, of a rebuke, right? It was like, Chris, well, why is this not going well? Because I have high expectations for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I felt myself go into like defense mode, like, Oh, you know, and I, and I, it was a moment of like, oh yeah, that's part of it, right? I'm not rejecting that I, I need some support in that area, and I wish it was further along in that area, but I also want to try and defend, right? 
mm-hmm. right? And I think that sometimes that can mm-hmm. be helpful to own your own story and defend your the work that you've put into something. And sometimes it's like, oh, where am I, where am I feeling right here? What am I feeling in this context? Like, I want to be better at this. I want to have gone further. And so mm-hmm. I think that's part of the journey too is mm-hmm. being able to accept where we are currently in pursuit sure. of where we're actually going, you know? Yeah, what kind of brings together for me is this rejection, you know, and resistance that that I'm sure we have both felt in the context of relationship with other men that seem to be judging us, holding us accountable, measuring us in some way. And that leads me to the whole question of masculinity. I know that your passion is to work with young men and boys on their journey towards adulthood. And so what would you say is the difference, let's say, between being a man and an adult who happens to be a man? You know, are there particular qualities that are really associated with being a man? you know, a male adult that matter? Or is it really about being an adult? Are you asking that question in the context of like how we talk to our boys about it? Yes, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's layers of it, right? So um, last week we had a situation with a group of boys, um, one of the middle schools. um, And uh, because it was the first day of sun last Thursday, we hadn't had sun for maybe two weeks, right? Since the beginning of the school year. So I wanted them to be able to go outside and play. We went outside and did our activity first to take advantage of the sun right at the beginning of the meeting. Because they've been indoors all day, mostly. I said, let's do our game first. And then we came back in, had our snack, and then we were going to do check-ins. Like, normally check-ins are first. But I was like, hey, the sun popped out. Let's take advantage of the sun, right? So we go outside, mm-hmm. do the activity. We come back in. We have our food. After the food is over, one of the young men, he's like 12, right? He's like, mm-hmm. can we go outside and play now? I'm like, huh? He's like, can we go outside and play? I don't know how it would happen, but I was like, I said, no, that's not what we're doing. He's like, why can't we go outside and play? I'm like, this is not playtime. This is our check-in time. We move things out of order in order to mm-hmm. get you all outside to take advantage of the sun. Mm-hmm. So right now we have other things to do. And he got into a little attitude and he was like, well, can we take a vote? And I'm like, <laughs> well, mm-hmm. not on this topic. You know, <laughs> I love taking votes. I love them being able to have an opinion about what we do, but uh-huh. We already went outside. You know, you're, are you missing the context? Like, and I think right. in that moment of him, like trying to argue back and forth with me, and then he walked outside and I'm like, mm. tell him to come back in here. Right. So, oh, you're mad now. So you just walk out. Right. And so I mm. sat everybody down. We sat in a circle and I was like, hey, listen, young men. Um, and the other, some of the young men were asking about some other stuff, but I was like, I want to talk about like our level of responsibility. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like we don't always get what we want. And maybe we shouldn't always get what we want. But the question is, how do we act when we don't get what we want, right? Because if you decide that because I don't get what I want, I'm going to now pout and stomp and do stuff that's totally out of pocket. You're now taking so much of my energy because mm-hmm. I don't want to ignore you. I could technically just ignore you and be like, stop talking. I'm not talking to you. You know, I could do that kind of thing. But that doesn't really solve a lot of problems. Right. And no one likes to be ignored technically. So it's like a dance between how much do I say this conversation is over and then how much do I say, I want you to, I want you to hear what you're saying so that I can help you hear what I'm saying because right. you can't just hear half of the conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. um, in that moment I was talking to these young men and I said, listen, 
has anybody ever got everything they wanted? You know, and no one raised their hand about getting everything they wanted. I said, life doesn't work that way. I said, when you become an adult, you have a responsibility. You're going to have a job, a family. You're going to have responsibilities and some things you're going to want to do that you're not going to be able to do. I got, you know what? I want to go hang out with my friends at Disneyland today or Magic Mountain, but I got to go to work. <laughs> my friends yeah. are driving. They're going to drive to freaking the East Coast, but I got a job. I can't. I don't have vacation when they have vacation. So I can't just be like, I'm going to go with you. And I think anytime we have these scenarios and we can give them a multitude of examples, mm-hmm. how do we help them know how being a responsible adult and for our case with these boys, an adult man, yeah. it's not about your manhood. It's about your responsibility and it's about you and the body that you're in and yeah. the body you're in. Society is going to expect certain things from you. Now you can reject those things. You have the right to do that. But ultimately, if you're going to say, I am going to be a responsible man in my community or just responsible person in my community. But when yeah. we talk to them, we're talking about these are boys who identify as boys and who mm-hmm. plan to be men. So we talk yeah. in that context with them. Like if I'm working with a group of co-ed students, then I'm not using that language. Ultimately, I want them to learn how to communicate, how to advocate for what they want. So deep down, I want them to be advocates for themselves. We want to go outside. Can we take a vote? I think that was a great question to ask. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I had to be careful. Like, do mm-hmm. I want to shut that down? No. But I want to let him know there's a time and place. No, yeah. We're not taking a vote on something that it, that I've already decided. The votes are when things that have a lot of room for nuance. And right. uh, this one doesn't have a room because we've already gone out. You know, As an organization, we have this value system of brotherhood and connection and respect and, and listening mm-hmm. and kindness and empathy. And how do we help help boys figure that out when they're in their minds? All they see is what they want, right? So mm. empathy doesn't matter if I'm not careful because I don't care about anybody. I'm tunnel visioned into what I want, and if I'm tunnel visioned to what I want, your needs don't matter. Mm. If I'm tunnel visioned to what I want, my needs, then respecting you doesn't matter. If I'm tunnel visioned into what I need and what I want, then kindness and care and love of community. And none of that matters. And so I think we have to begin helping our boys in our work, help them understand, well, what do you want to get out of this? Mm -hmm. Is that serving only you right now or is it serving everyone? And is it okay right now to be thinking of just yourself? I think that Mm -hmm. it's important sometimes to be really mindful of what we need. Mm -hmm. Right. But when he went to like, let's take a vote, he was like, I'm going to make what I need, what everybody else needs, because I know what they're going to vote on. Who wouldn't vote to go outside? (laughs) Who wouldn't be like, let's go play, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. I think the plane is great, but we have to check ins because check ins are priority for our connection and brotherhood, you know? So, anyway, it's a wild answer, right? It's a lot lot of story in there, but I think the context is where do we get room to be called to the table carefully and kindly and respectfully? Like, I didn't shame him. I said to him, he was spending a lot of our time on a conversation that wasn't going anywhere because it was not going his way, mm-hmm. right? I answered his question. I respected him. We're here as a part of a collective. You mm-hmm. are valuable. You individually are valuable, but you also are part of this circle. And so therefore you have to look at the needs of everybody. And so I think those are the journey that we help them with, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You spoke about responsibility in particular, and that's certainly one of the defining characteristics that I think of in terms of being an adult person is realizing and taking responsibility for oneself and also for the community that you're in. This question about what it means to be a man 
mm-hmm. versus a woman or a person. At one level, it's all the same thing in terms of the values, right? What it means to be a man is to embody those values in the body that I have, right? Mm-hmm. And there are going to be some ways that those things get expressed and that myself gets expressed in this body that might be different if I had another body, but of course I don't really know because I don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what I'm getting at is like a lot of the things that we have historically ascribed to men or women or one or the other are not so much intrinsically about being a man. For example, the historical stereotype of men not going into their emotions so much. Yeah. Is that because we are men? Because we have penises? No. It's because of how we have grown up and mm-hmm. generations of men have grown up and have been required to act. And so there's no intrinsic reason that can't be different, as we know very well from the work that we all do. Yeah, but society has given a lot of rules, right? Society, and where you grow up and where you're born, right? I mean, imagine, mm. like, when you think about when I lived in India, lived there for like eight months. In India, um, it's okay for men to have intimate relationships with their friends or male friends. Now, intimate doesn't mean sex, but if you told me that before I went right. there that men were intimate with each other, I, my mind straight translated intimacy to sex. Right, right. But intimacy is not sex necessarily. It could be, but it's also just a deep connection. And I think people have heard them say of intimacy is like into me see. Like yeah. I want you to see into me. Like I want you mm. to see me and really f- connect with me. Now, when I was there, I mean, mm. I would see men holding hands. I would see men with their hands on their friends' shoulders or, or around their neck, right. which in my community is not really accepted. Yeah. And well, is more accepted now than it was, but I think that there's this idea that, wow, what is this, right? And there's a lot of learning that took place for me to just mm-hmm. to watch men have a deep friendships. Well, and, deep and, and to have physical intimacy as part yeah. of that, yeah. and to even just to understand the possibility of a physical intimacy that isn't sex at all, you know, that's, that's right. just a physical proximity. That's right. That's right? right. And maybe it is, you know, yes, touch. You know, the feeling of another man's body next to yours, against yours, your arm around him, all those things. You know, we've had this huge distance between, okay, yeah, we're real close friends, but yeah, we don't have sex. Well, yeah, but there's a whole range in between there. That's right. Of deeper connection. That's right. Space. Beautiful way you said it. Like, there is a big range, right? If I thought that intimacy was sex, then I'm going to be like, I don't have no intimate relationship with my friends because... Why would I do that? But as opposed to saying, I have a deep connection and maybe with touch, right? I think touch is important. And I heard Trevor Noah in one of his between the scenes shows, he talks about intimacy mm-hmm. in men. And like a lot of men, I think deep down want to have intimate relationships with, with their friends, but we're not allowed to. So therefore what we think is that I'm going to go to somebody, um, a woman to fulfill me with all of the needs I have, right, but we've been right. told that we can't get it from anywhere else. So therefore I don't even have any really close friendships because I'm keeping them at an arm's distance, right? They got to stay on that side. They got to sit two seats away from me in the theater. They got like, right. all the things that we put up for ourselves because we have been told. I grew up in a community where like being too close is always seen as like something's wrong with you. If we had closer relationships, we would know that 
there's some meaning in that. But if we resist them, if we reject them, then we also think that the only person who can help us deal with the type of human touch that we need, Mm -hmm. right? Like babies, there's statistics that say if a baby's not touched within a certain time after they're born, that they will die, right? And I think that we grow up and we're like, well, I don't need any of that anymore. And we see our young men walking around like landmines because deep down they have no human connection yeah. outside of what they think they're supposed to get is which is sex and then so they're not getting that then they're even more tense and wired up and mm-hmm. i think that that's what i tell them a lot of times i think some of you are walking around like landmines yeah like you, you don't even feel comfortable in your own being mm-hmm. because you're not connected anywhere you're not connected with anybody and a lot of our young men are, don't, are not connected to a higher power or a higher source right we have so many young people who don't have any beliefs mm-hmm. whether it's religion or not but a belief bigger than myself, that I have a connection to something that is more than me. Yeah, yeah, man. This whole question of intimacy, you know, and what is it, this immediate association of intimacy with sex, you know, and just taking a few deep breaths collectively and allowing that to broaden out into, well, what do we mean here? What might we be missing by putting all of our intimate eggs in this one basket of sex? As if, and just to go there for a minute, like as if sex can even bring intimacy. You know, I mean, it does in a certain way. Yeah. And it, of course, it brings us closer together and it often is kind of the gateway to a more intimate relationship. But is sex intimacy? No. If it was, there wouldn't be two words. So we know it's not the same thing. <laughs> There's this guy, Alexander Bard, a real interesting cat. And he's like, look, don't depend on sex to bring you intimacy. It's going to bring you sex and a particular type of intimacy. But There's a whole nother range and really a much broader range of intimacy that, in fact, most of us only get from our brothers as men or our sisters as women, Mm. right? This range of emotional intimacy and, you know, just the physical proximity and all the other types of intimacy. You mentioned a spiritual intimacy, you know, the idea of being close to something bigger than yourself. I've run across this too lately. The idea of being intimate with the natural Mm. world, something that often is completely foreign to us as city people, but the idea of really feeling like my animal self, my organism as part of the living world of all the other organisms, there's an intimacy there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for example. So there's this huge range of what Mm. intimacy can be, you know, and it's so much more interesting than just like, sex, which is, you know, very interesting and beautiful, but uh, much broader, right? Yeah, yeah. Give me some ideas I'm going to think about with one of our circles. That journey of where we get room to talk about topics that are complicated, right? Where do we have room to have those conversations, right? Do we have the men's circle? Do we have uh, a brotherhood? Do we have family who lets us talk about all the things that are confusing about life and not be shamed by thinking and wondering a certain way. I think those are the places where we're also exploring with this work. So yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. That's gonna be one of our topics. We have a topic this week that's really around um, idols. Who are our idols? Um, Cause I had a young man oh. last week tell me that uh, his idol was Andrew Tate. And mm. I was like, Oh, interesting. 
tell, can you tell me about that? And I had to be careful not to be judgmental. How do I take mm-hmm. and listen to what he says? Because there's a lot of people idolizing figures in our society that are not demonstrating or espousing values that we would say that if you ask this person, do you value this thing? They would say no, but the person you, are, you, you may follow or you ever are demonstrating mm-hmm. those values, mm-hmm. right? It's interesting. So it's, those are the things that as we have these deeper conversations with these boys and the young men is giving them room to explore what they feel and what they think. Every time you say something that is out of pocket with what I believe and your parents do it too, right? That I don't shut you down and be like, no, you can't think that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I just thought that way. What do you mean I can't yeah. think that way? I just thought that way. Exactly. How do we not use that as a way of telling them that's not how, well, tell me why you think that way. Where did that come from? What are the other mm-hmm. things that support that thinking? And mm-hmm. then give them room to navigate it. But if we shut it yeah. down, then they stop coming to us with what they're Absolutely. thinking. And if we don't know what they're thinking, then we have situations where we're like, well, I didn't know he was feeling this, but I didn't know he was going through this because we've set it up as a place of not giving room to, you know? Man, I said exactly back there is so often my experience as a young person and also as a man, I've had this experience a lot of feeling like, okay, this thing that I just thought, uh, someone thinks that's wrong mm-hmm. or bad or unacceptable or uncool or unwelcome or whatever it is. And yeah. therefore I am bad, not good, unwelcome, wrong. And it's like, well, hold on a second. I'm a human person. I'm not a broken person. I had this thought. How could that just mean I'm a bad person? You know, but we go around doing that so much. You must run into this with young men a lot because it was so much part of my experience. It was like there was a huge hole that got dug of feeling that way and then ending most of my 20s and 30s, like digging myself out of that hole of feeling that, well, I must be a kind of a bad person in some ways because I'm having these thoughts about sex, for example, or not wanting to do what someone else told me to do. How could I be a bad person just for having thoughts? You know, I mean, let's talk about the thoughts, right? Um, There's plenty of psychologists probably would say, oh, you're not thinking right about this. We don't let people explore the thinking right yeah yeah. like like all kind of thinking like when i was five or six years old and my mom showed me the movie roots on pbs Mm -hmm. we would come home from Mm -hmm. school and we had to sit Mm -hmm. in front of the tv watch this show and i wanted to watch something fun but we're watching something serious and i'm Mm -hmm. confused i'm a little black boy watching people on the screen being treated like like really poorly I'm like, yeah. why are they doing that to them? Why are they treating these people like this? And I think like to feel something is to say something is out of connection with how I think people should be treated and to have a place to like explore those ideas. Like, why didn't they just run? Why didn't they leave? Why didn't they all these things? Right. And I have lots of questions about it. Mm. And I think the same thing is like when people, if they grow up believing that the way you treat people who are working the service industry, the way you treat your waitresses is by making them feel small, by make, by, you know, by like just behavior. Before there was video cameras and on everybody's phone, we may hear about some of these things, but to see them, it's almost like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, right? Oh my, how people get treated. The dissonance in us is what has us say, hmm, something doesn't feel right about this. Something doesn't seem right about this. And I think that's the work that 
we need to continue doing. And right. the people that we don't right. want to see what we do, we just swipe past yeah, it. Yeah, we don't it's see easy. them, yeah. But yeah. guess what? You can't swipe past a person who is standing in front of you. Right. But that's right. what we see trying to happen. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hear people's words that they don't match what we want to hear. Mm-hmm. And our brains get trained that anything outside of that is not what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's what our phone does, right? If we don't hear that thing, you just swipe past it. You know, that video, yeah. I don't want to see that video. I don't want to see. Right. And your phones are getting trained that, oh, just give me more of what I really like. What this is bringing to mind for me is the idea of confrontation, like positive confrontation. We generally want to avoid conflict, avoid mm. confrontation. And as you just said, our technologies these days are definitely helping us further mm. down that path. But so much of what I imagine you doing with young men, and certainly it's been my experience in working in groups of men, that part of the work, part of the practice is to have the space and the opportunity to learn how to confront each other in a positive context. Yeah. yeah, Right? Like I hear you saying something that I don't agree with, and I want to talk to you about it here. We're not going to have a fight about it. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to tell you you're a bad person, Mm -hmm. but I want to talk to you about it. Or I see you doing something that I don't agree with. I want to confront you about it or just something that I notice in you. I want to bring this to your attention. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe I do want to tell you that you're a bad person. Maybe I see you (laughs) yelling at the cashier because your drink got made bad. I can stand back and watch it and be like, well, it's not my business. I'm going to let you do whatever. Or do I involve myself? Like the other day, I don't know if you saw the video about the man um, in San Francisco spraying the homeless person with a water hose in a rainy season on a cold day, like spraying, like, like I, I every time I see it, every time I try not to watch it anymore. So I'm wondering, as we aim towards landing the ship here, how do you work with young men yeah. around learning how to confront each other with presence and love, or even just to be able to do it at all in mm. a way that doesn't flare up into a firefight that is the work it probably is the hardest part of the work because Mm -hmm. because i have thoughts and feelings and opinions so how do i enter a situation where i'm trying to help two young men navigate a conflict or i'm trying to help one young man navigate his own ability to speak up for himself or to not go to fu mode when i actually need uh, just a little bit of sandpaper to smooth that situation out right because if i'm offended and I go to FU mode, the situation is thrown gasoline, right? Right. But maybe I needed to say something, but I didn't need to say that to the person. But what could I have said? Like, yeah. and so how do you help them navigate? Sometimes it's like they know the bomb to throw out to make the situation in their mind get better. But mm-hmm. in the long term, does it get worse, right? The relationship gets severed, right? Yeah. And so I think that if you've only witnessed people who, when something somebody hurts you, you say, well, I hurt you more. Mm-hmm. right and hurt is emotional hurt and hurt is name calling and hurt is belittling i think those are the pieces that we have we work towards right so i think the journey is always when i'm in a mentoring role or if i'm in a mm-hmm. observation mode i'm really trying to ask a lot of questions i'm asking hard questions yeah, yeah i'm questions. asking mm. i'm asking questions that are like reflection questions like can you tell me why did you say that and try not try and judge not be really judgmental when stuff is happening, how do you stay present? What needs do I need to be met, right? Because if my need of feeling safe, it needs to be met. 
then I may act out in a way that won't make sense to anybody else. But in my mind, I'm being threatened, right? So I'm going to act out mm-hmm. in a maybe a violent or a, a hyper-aggressive way. Mm-hmm. If my need for connection is met, maybe I'm going to try and make somebody else feel small so I can fit myself into this circle to fit in. And I think it's just all about the journey of helping them navigate. What are you needing right now? And yeah. maybe they don't know, but really having them think about, why did you say that to him? Mm-hmm. Well, he yeah. made me mad. Okay, so, but why would you say something hurtful to because he made you, why didn't you talk to him, right? And learning how to navigate language. Like, how do I talk yeah. about things when I'm hurt, right? I think yeah. that's part of the journey too, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. I appreciate that. I was just thinking about what you were saying. Getting some practice at learning how to speak even when we're in fear or in anger. That's the opportunity, it seems, that you're working so hard to give these young men the opportunity to practice. That's right. I really appreciate that. For sure. For sure. And I think it's a journey. You know, one of the things that we didn't talk about is this work we do around these emotional masks. Um, We started a movement called the Million Mask Movement, and the goal is really helping people Mm. recognize the masks we wear is what we let people see about us, the things we gladly let the world see. And the stuff behind the mask is the stuff that we don't usually let people see. And I think that we may have different masks for different settings. we got our weekend mask with our homies. we got our family mm. mask. we got our work mask. we got our mm. professional creative mask. The vision of the work is really helping people recognize that there's so much more to each of us yeah. than anybody can see by looking at us, right? There's more to you. There's more to yeah. me. Yeah, I think a lot of our young people, not only young people, but adults too, feel alone, feel yes. isolated. It's just as a reminder that you're not alone. And how do we find more people around us who are willing to have these real conversations so we can mm. find the solutions or find the needs that we're trying to get met? And so that's the Million Mask Movement. And we're growing and we're going to be doing some work in some schools in San Francisco and yeah. um, as we do every year. And so um, mm-hmm. stay tuned. We look forward mm-hmm. to you being a part of it as well. So the million is the like the goal of reaching a million people. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, That's the goal, yeah. The first goal is the million. We did a workshop last week. I'll show you one of the masks. So the mask is like a, it's actually an activity, right? So it's a three steps. Okay. On the front of the mask is what do you let the world see? So uh, I'm showing then, you one now, but people can't see it. But the front of the it. mask, what does it say? What are three qualities about yourself that you let people see? Yeah. And then on the and other the side. Goes, yeah. The back of the mask, right, what are three qualities about yourself that you don't usually let people see? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so the, the front of the mask on this one, this person wrote, it's right. a 16-year-old male from Palo Alto. Mm. The front Happy, said, silly, fun. Yeah. yeah. That's on the front. And, and then the behind back. the mask, scared, fearful, horrified even. Horrified. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so there's so much more than we can see. If you saw this person on the outside, you would see happy, silly, fun, right. like right, sixteen year old right. male just hanging out, having fun, and not yeah. knowing that deep down, horrified, be, be acting. Like there's so much going on behind that mask, you know. Yeah, and that's our work. Yeah, and that's our work. We're learning a lot from young people and adults too. And participate, not just young men. For your audience, they can go to millionmask.org and they can make a mask digitally, anonymous, mm-hmm. knowing that we're not alone. I think that's mm-hmm. where it starts, right? Oh, man. There's somebody yeah. feeling that too. And so if I could find more people around me who are willing to let me know what they're really feeling, then maybe I don't feel so isolated, you know? Millionmask.org. Got yeah. It. Thank you. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Ashanti Brand. Appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks again as well, Ashanti. Great to see you and just to hang with you a little bit as well, brother. It's a pleasure here. 
you too. All right. Thank you. Be well. Brothers be gaming, ladies be claiming. I walk the street and camouflage my identity. My posse uptown wear the mask. My crew and the queens wear the mask. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please have a look at the quest that I've posted at the bottom of the show notes and consider commenting with your own thoughts on what we discussed in the episode. I'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe, recommend, share, and comment all right at the bottom of the page at decidenothing.substack.com, where all of my writing and audio lives, or in your favorite podcast app. Just a reminder that anyone who becomes a paid subscriber to my Substack will be eligible to receive a copy of my book when it comes out for just the cost of shipping. And, of course, you can always reach me by email or find me on social media. Thanks again for being here, and I hope you tune in again soon.